If you guys have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We're starting a new series today called Why? And there's a lot of questions with why. I mean, if you look around uh, our society, if you look at things that go on, oftentimes people ask those questions. Why? Why does what I'm going through have any significance in my life? Why are certain things happening? Why do I deal with certain people or certain issues or certain struggles? Or why, why believe? You know, in today's world and in today's economy, if we want to sit back and kind of look at things, we could begin to ask that question, why? You know, there's a lot of people who say, matter of fact, I had a conversation recently with a gentleman who said, you know, I think that's great. You guys all believe in Jesus and stuff, but I look at, I, I, I follow Jesus' teachings, but I look at other things as well, and I begin to make my own religion. I begin to make my own way, and what we want to really answer over the next month is why, not, not only today with this, this question of why believe, but why we exist as a church, what our mission and vision is. And so we're going to cover all of those things. As a, as a person, maybe you've attended here before, or maybe you're a member here at the church, we have a statement. Our mission statement is this. We're going to be taking life in Christ to our neighbors and nations. And we're going to do that in any way, shape, and form possible. As a matter of fact, one of the ways we encourage our, our people to do it is just simply in your daily life. You know, not everybody's called to be the lead pastor. Not everybody's called to be the person who gets up on stage and speaks. But every believer is called to be a minister. Every believer is called to be in ministry, doing ministry where you're at. And the greatest news that we can say is that we're going to go into our villages, into our workforces, and, and the places we interact with people, and we're going to share the gospel with those people who are around us daily, that I live it out and, and do that. And so I wanna, we're going to talk about that, but when we talk about taking life in Christ, then we say we're gonna, we want to focus on doing this. We want to lead people to believe, to belong, to become, and to be sent to believe the truth of Jesus Christ, to belong to a cause bigger than themselves, which is the church. According to scripture, the church is the very thing that is going to take the mission of God out into the world. So to, to belong to the church, to be, belong to the family of God, to become everything that God created us to be. And I believe that that's one of those things that oftentimes we, we walk through life, that, that life will discourage us and get us down, that, that we can't become everything that God wanted to, us to be in the first place, when the truth of the matter is, Scripture is very clear, that God makes us into what he wants us to be. He, he's redeemed us, and he takes this old, broken relationship, this old, broken life, and he makes us a new creation, and then to be sent. And we talked about that, it kind of goes with the believe aspect, but that we believe that every believer is sent into the world, both here locally and globally, that we're going to take the good news and we get to celebrate today. As a matter of fact, you guys have seen a, a large group of the yellow shirts here. They're the Missouri Baptist Disaster Relief and Baptist Builders, and we're going to recognize them here at the end of the service, uh, and we're going to give you a little bit more information. But without these individuals, to let you know just a little bit about what's gone on uh, over the last week, Hurricane Ida went in, obviously came in off the Gulf Coast. And did you know that right now in the, the Louisiana area, roughly, that we have almost 1,000 Southern Baptist missionaries on the ground? They're serving 1,500 meals a day just in Mandeville, Louisiana. There's other locations around. Illinois, North Carolina, Missouri, trying to think of some of the other states that have all gone down there. And these individuals also came and helped us with our, our building remodel. And so we'll recognize them, but I want you to think about what that means to live a sent life. And so if you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 28, we're going to read through verse 39. So would you stand with me? 
I know we, uh, we, we read part of it. Would you stand with me? We're going to read this, and then we'll jump in. And he says this, Romans chapter 8, starting verse 28. And we know that in all things, so say all things, all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with Jesus, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. And then he says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Now, verse 37, he says, no, in all these things. I want you to see and notice these. So he said in verse 28, all these things. And then he jumps to verse 32, and he says, in all things. And then verse 37, in all these things, we are more than what? Conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You can have a seat. I want to. I want you to think about this. And I want you to think about this image or or this idea of an image in the Greek uh, in the Greek text. If we were to talk about an image, it's the word that we get our term icon from. So like when we say like Michael Jordan was the icon of basketball, we're telling them that he is the image of, of, of basically the NBA. You know, right now we could say maybe it's LeBron James or, or some of those other individuals. But when we get to that big picture idea, the icon is a representation of what's going on. And in the scripture, in Bible, the Bible tells us that in the beginning that we are created in God's, anybody want to know? image, right? And in the midst of this being created in God's image, he forms and fashions mankind in a unique way, completely different from everything else. He spoke everything else into existence, but then it comes this, this creation and this relationship with man, and God forms us. It's like the artist. It's like a, a potter who's forming the clay, and he forms us in his image is what it says. But here's the crazy thing in scripture. In Genesis chapter 3, as a result of Adam and Eve's sin, which carries on throughout all of humanity, the image is broken. It's shattered. And I've done this in the past, and maybe someday I'll do it again, but I used to have a mirror, and I would use this illustration. For those who have been here uh, for the whole eight years that I've been here, uh, one of my first sermon series we kind of did on this, and I scared the daylights out of everybody because the first week I had this mirror on stage, and I talked about how we're created in God's image. And this mirror's on stage, and everything's going great. Well, the second week we talked about a broken image, and I didn't tell everybody I had a hammer in my back pocket. So I'm standing there, and I'm talking about this image, and I'm like, wham, and I shatter the mirror, and I mean, pieces go everywhere, and one of the older ladies come up, and she goes, Pastor, you do that again, you might have half your congregation dead, because you gave us a heart attack, 
And I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> so, but I want you to think about this, is that this idea of this image, when we, when we look in a mirror, we see the image, and the idea was that originally we reflected God, but as a result of sin, that image is cracked, and it's broken, and it's shattered, and it's a million pieces, and here's what we like to do. We like to try and pick up all the pieces, and we try and put it back together, but the problem is it's still what? It's still broke. It's still shattered. And no matter how hard I work and no matter how much glue I do and how much, how much effort I put into it, the, the reality is that that mirror, that image is still shattered and it is still broken. But there's good news in Jesus Christ because the Bible is very clear in Colossians chapter 1 that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And then here's what we get to, Romans chapter 8, verse 29. And what does he say in Romans 8, verse 29? He says, literally, listen, for those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. And I want you to know that that term there literally is the image. That you and I as believers, and you and I when we put our faith in Christ, are to be transformed into the image of Christ, that we bear the image of Christ to those who are separate from us, those who don't believe, those who are family and friends and neighbors and coworkers who may not trust and may not follow Jesus Christ, but we are the image bearers because it's no longer about us. We didn't try and pick up the pieces and put it back together. God says, I take what is broken and what do I make it? Brand new. And so here's what I want to do today. I want to focus on this. If you remember anything else, I want you to remember this, that through Jesus, we are conformed into his image and made to experience life more abundantly. You know, I, I oftentimes think about that verse when we talk over and over and over again, that when we have a relationship with Christ, we're made to experience this life more abundantly, this abundance that he wants to give us this blessing and this encouragement and, and everything else. And a lot of times what we look at and we go is, yeah, he wants me to experience life more abundantly. So he's talking all about money. When the reality is a life in Jesus is abundant because of what Jesus offers to me. Number one, he offers me salvation through the shed blood of himself on the cross. And then he offers me life as a result of his resurrection from the dead. That's the abundant life. And what we oftentimes settle for is a quick fix. And here's where I say the big thing is, a lot of us in our life are rather good at trying to pick up the pieces and doing it ourselves. The problem is that doesn't lead to the abundant life that God has called us to live or be a part of in Christ. And so when I talk about this whole idea of why believe, I want to give you four reasons I believe that God has called us to believe in him. He has made it known to us. Why do we know this? Number one is this, that God works for the good of those who love him. Keep that in mind. Those who what? Love him. In other words, what he's saying is, listen, in all things, I will work for your good. I will work for your benefit. I will work for your abundance. I will work for your satisfaction in me. I hope you hear that out when I say that. When I talk about your satisfaction, sometimes I'm, I'm very guilty of this as well, that God doesn't satisfy me because oftentimes my satisfaction is wrapped up in these worldly ideas and thoughts rather than being satisfied in what God has called me to do and satisfied to walk through the truth of what he is taking me through at the time. I'm reading a great book and I highly would encourage you to, to read this book no matter where you stand and what's going on, there's a, there's a great book I'm reading right now called Live Not By Lies. 
And I think there's a reality that we have to understand as believers. In today's culture, today's world, what we're saying is that belief in Jesus, as long as it doesn't cost me, I'm good to go. The problem with that is this, that suffering or the theology of suffering throughout scripture is something that we see consistently. And my biggest worry, and I've said this over and over and over again over the last year, is that my worry as a pastor is oftentimes what we see as a result going on in our society and as a result of pressure, maybe from government, and then also some pressures from you know COVID and things like that, is that we'll walk away and not walk through the truth and the reality of what it means to suffer for Jesus. And so listen, God works for the good of those who love him. Listen, listen to what he says. And we know that in all things, and I said you had you say that, God works for the good of those who love him. In other words, as I walk through a suffering situation or a time where I may suffer, I may have difficulties and struggles, but I know that God's gonna work through the good through this. So God works for the good of those who love him. Think about it this way. Romans chapter three says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Romans chapter five, verse eight, it says that God shows his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 says, I know the plans I have for you. In order to understand the goodness and the abundance of God and what he wants to offer you, number one, I have to have a relationship with Jesus. And here's the crazy thing. And I said this, I think it was last week, maybe a couple weeks ago. I said, the only difference between you and me is calling, right? A lot of people look and they go look at a pastor and they go, well, well, that's a pastor's job, but it's not my job. Do you know that we're all called in reality to the same standard, the same set of holiness, the righteousness that we can only achieve through Christ. The difference is that God has called me to pastor and God has called you to minister. You get the question? You get the, get the difference? There's a, there's a difference in the fact that I am called to pastor or to lead out and shepherd God's people and you are called to minister or to share the gospel with those who are around you. So we're only difference is a difference of calling. Listen, when we are at our worst, God gives us or gave us his best. So when I say, why believe? I would say, why believe? Because listen, in order to understand the good things and in order to receive or, or, or experience the abundant life of what God gives us in his love for us is that I have to reciprocate that by belief or by faith. In other words, that I believe, just what we sang about earlier, I put my faith and trust in Christ, that Jesus' death on the cross was good to cover or wash away and remove all my sins. And his resurrection is what offers me life and life more abundantly. So listen, God uses all things to a good end and for his glory. Number two, why believe? Because God's plan through Jesus is definite. When I say definite, what does that mean in your mind? And I'm not asking you to think. I want you to think about what it means when I say definite. Like, if I was to stand up here and go, it's a definite that the Chiefs are winning the Super Bowl. Wow, I heard that. That was, woo, where are all my Chiefs fans at? There should be like casting stones. No, I'm just joking, <laughs> right? I mean, when I say something is definite, what I'm saying is it's a for sure thing. See, God's plan through Jesus was or is definite. That is his way to give us the abundant life. Listen to what he says in the following verses, verses 29 through 30, right? This is what he says, all right? 
He says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. And then he says this, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Why believe? Because the only way to receive all things through Jesus Christ, the only way to receive the abundant life that Jesus offers is by faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus paid the price that you and I couldn't pay. And so the only way to walk in the abundant life that he offers, if I want to have an abundant life in my marriage, I do it the way Jesus wants me to do it. If I want to have an abundant life with my kids, then I do it the way Jesus has called me to do it. If I want to be abundant financially, listen to me when I say this, finances aren't made by lies and crooks and, 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 and being deceitful. Finances by sticking to what God said in how I operate in my finances. I experience abundant life financially regardless of how much I make because I make wise decisions based upon biblical principles. God's plan through Jesus is definite in every area of my life. And here's what oftentimes worries me is the reality that most people struggle with is this. I've got Jesus in my back pocket for spiritual things, but everything else he's just got to stay out of. And I miss out on the abundance of what Jesus wants to give me. All throughout scripture, what we see is this idea of an abundant, blessing-filled life only comes as a result of obedience by God's people. Anybody remember the Old Testament? Right? All throughout the Old Testament, what we see consistently over and over and over again is God blessing his people, his people loving him for a little bit. Then his people, what do they do? They begin to walk away. They begin to drift. They begin to cast down. They begin to not trust God. They begin to disobey. And as a result, what does God do? He whips the belt off and takes him to the back room, and right? He gets the switch off, the, and then he disciplines them. And then they repent, and then what happens? We start the whole cycle over and over and over again. God's plan through Jesus is definite. So why should I believe? Because there is a definite promise that God gives us. Listen, listen to what he says, though, in this. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. God is patient, not wanting any to perish. You know, I think about oftentimes we did just like a broad overview of Revelation last week, right? And in the midst of that, we said that, that we don't know the time or the date, but as times come and as difficulties arise, we begin to think, well, maybe it's the time, maybe it's the date. But listen, every day that Jesus doesn't come back is a result of Jesus' patience, not wanting any to perish, but many or all to believe. First Timothy chapter two, verse four, he is patient, not wanting any to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Repentance is the idea that I confess or repent of my sins and I turn and go the opposite direction. So listen, Paul is explaining how God always had a plan to redeem his people through Jesus Christ. That is why understanding this whole idea of the meaning of icon, that he's called me to be in his image and how it ties through all of scripture is important. Matter of fact, those of you who don't know, when I first came here uh, and we started talking, I, I told the church before I came in, I said, look, we're talking name change, constitution, bylaws change, all this stuff, um, thinking they would tell me to get lost, <laughs> right? And my, my thought, and, and my wife and I, when we were going through the church planning process, we were going to name the church Icon, 
I-C-O-N. And everybody would be like, why would you name the church Icon? Well, because you're going to ask that question. And guess what I get to do every time you go, why Icon? Oh, let me tell you the gospel. Jesus created me in his image. But because of sin, I'm a broken individual. But Christ, he's the image of God. And I am called to be in Christ's likeness because of the shed blood of Jesus on the cross and because he rose again, offering me life and life more abundantly. I just shared the gospel in less than a minute, didn't I? I didn't even have to quote scripture. That's the beauty of how gospel and how the scripture works all throughout Old Testament and New Testament. And so God's plan through Jesus is definite. Number three, why believe? Because God's provision is secure. Listen to what he says. What then shall we say in response to all of this? If God's plan through Jesus is definite, what should we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He didn't spare his own son. But then he comes into this and he says this. Who is it that condemns? Christ Jesus who died. And then he goes on in verse 35. What or who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, here's the good news of why I should believe, because God's provision is secure. It's locked. It's eternal. That when I put my faith and trust in Jesus and I follow him, and according to scripture, uh, that a tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. And so listen, is what he's saying is this, that when I put my faith and trust in Jesus, when I follow him day in, obediently, that my provision is secure. My salvation is locked up because Jesus locked it up first and foremost. If I could do anything to gain it, then I could do anything to lose it. But the truth of the matter is that you and I didn't do anything to gain it. It's simply a gift of God. And so God's provision for my life is secure. It's locked up by Jesus. And here's the crazy thing. The only one that has the key to unlock Jesus is the Father. That's why when it says that the son doesn't even know the time that he's going to be coming back, that when Jesus comes back, it's going to be God the Father going, Jesus, it's time. And Jesus is going to rise up off that throne, and he's going to come with a loud trumpet sound, and he's going to be in the sky, and it says that those who are dead in Christ will rise first, which I love that picture. I jokingly say this all the time. I told my wife I want to be buried at sea. Why do I want to be buried to see? Because those dudes who are out there floating on the ocean, when they see that body come flying up out of the ocean, those who are dead in Christ first, they're going to be like, what the heck? Oh my gosh. I mean, imagine driving down the road, right? And you're next to the cemetery and those who are dead in Christ are going to be caught up first. And it says those who are alive will then be caught up with them in heaven. I want to see the look of the person, or the, the look on the face of the person who's driving past a graveyard when Jesus shows up. <laughs> God's provision is secure. And listen to what it says. He graciously gives us all things. What does he give us? All things. See, Satan stands as the prosecuting attorney while God stands as the judge, the dirt jury, the defender, and Jesus, listen, is the defense attorney. So we're set up with Satan trying to prosecute every one of us for the sins that we've done. And Jesus stands over there as our defending attorney in front of God the Father. And he says, I've already paid the price. So God's provision is secure in everything that I face. 
Where there is trouble, God offers hope. Where there is hardship, God says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Where there is persecution, God says, I am the way, the truth, and life. Where there is famine, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Where there is nakedness, we are clothed in Christ. Where there is danger, God offers us peace. And where there is the sword, God offers us a life more abundantly in Christ. That's the security of the provision that God offers us through Jesus Christ. So why believe? Because your life is only secure in the hands of Jesus. And number four, why believe? Because God's way is love. Listen to what he says in the following verses again. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him. Who's he talking about? Through Jesus who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's way is love. And so when we surrender to Christ, we are open to God's love in a deeper, more intimate way. And here's what's crazy about it. Nothing, nothing can separate you from God's love. One of my greatest things, I love to be around, I love to hang around with all my lost buddies, all my buddies who won't darken the doors of a church, all my buddies who are drinking, doing whatever the heck they do, because I know some, maybe some of them might be watching today, doing their drugs, doing everything else like that. I want you to understand this, and it's for anybody in here as well, that it doesn't matter what you've gone through, it doesn't matter what you think or how bad you think you are, that God's way is always love that his love was reciprocated or shown to us by his death on the cross. And he says, I've done it for everybody. But listen, the whole idea of what this Romans text is talking about is that those who have believed, those who who have followed him, those who have confessed that Jesus is Lord, that believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead and confess that Jesus is Lord, those are the ones who are saved. Those are the ones who have been predestined. Those are the ones who have been set apart for salvation, what we have to understand is that's a result of God's work. So God's way is love, and nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So we can still fight for control of our lives by holding on to areas that Jesus is trying to conform us in. Remember the mirror with the broken pieces? Like some of us will give Jesus everything, but we're going to hold on to a couple pieces. And what he's saying is, he's like, that's not it. I want it all. When I died on the cross for you, I died for all of you. Not Sunday morning. Last night, I got to speak at at Northern Hills Baptist Church at their wild game dinner. And one of the things I was talking to parents about was passing on a, a, a strong faith generationally. And I want to encourage you with this. Passing on a strong faith generationally doesn't mean just church attendance. Like there are lots of people who are good at church attendance that won't pass on or haven't passed on a strong faith generationally. In other words, that I pass it on to my kids, that I treat them and and show them what it means to follow Jesus day in and day out. If church attendance made people believers, we would have hundreds of thousands of people who are saved and obedient to God. But listen, it's not about church attendance. While church attendance is great, while serving in the church is great, we want that to be priorities. And those are things that I believe need to be evident in the life of a believer. Listen, just going to church does not save you. It's only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that I have salvation. 
There is nothing about us separating or walking away from God's love, about us choosing to be obedient to God. Listen, nothing can separate us because we're in Christ. We bear Christ's image and the Father and the Son work together in complete unity. So listen to what he says again. Neither death nor life. You get that picture? The church in Afghanistan just recently experienced that. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, Neither the present, what I'm going through now, nor the future, what I'll face eventually, nor any powers, United States government, any foreign government, any king or ruler or authority person over us, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation can separate me from the love of Jesus. Jesus passionately pursues each one of us. He relentlessly has chased after us through his blood on the cross, through the living of his life, his sacrificial death on the cross and his resurrection. That's the good news. So why believe? Why believe? Because when I believe in Jesus, when I've put my faith and trust in him, when, when I've looked at everything else and I realize that those things aren't meeting and satisfying the, the whole that I have in my heart, why believe? Because Jesus is the only answer. He's the only fulfillment. He is the only way to experience a life more abundantly. That's why belief, that's why faith in Jesus. Because everything else leads me into difficulties and struggles. Whereas God's love through Jesus Christ offers me life and life more abundantly. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your gifts that you sent Jesus and that in the midst of his obedience to you, God, even when he agonized and said, if there be any other way, Lord, would you take this from me? God, he went obediently to the cross. He suffered and he paid the price that we couldn't pay. But God, what we remember is also this, that Jesus didn't stay dead. Jesus rose again. And in his resurrection, he showed himself to those believers, some 500 people. And some of them got to touch his hands and his feet and his side. And Father, they put their faith and trust in him. They believed at that point. So Lord, help us overcome our unbelief. Help us walk each and every day victoriously just as this text has, has revealed to us, God, that we know that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And help us walk obediently in what you've called us to be. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to stand. We're going to close with this song. I say close. We have an uh, 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 invitation time. If you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, you'd say, hey, I want, I want to go public. I want to follow him in believer's baptism. Maybe you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, but you've never followed him in baptism. We'd love to talk with you. I'm going to be up here. We're going to close with this song. We're going to wrap up with a song, and then we'll have just a brief moment. But if you've never done that, would love to pray with somebody. Maybe you've got some issues or struggles in your marriage and things like that. I would love to talk with you and pray with you about that. So let's sing with this song, uh, and then we'll be right back.
Well, do me a favor. Go ahead and have a seat in the DR team. Baptist Builders, go ahead and come on up. And uh, yeah, we got Leighton. Come on up, everybody. I know you guys don't necessarily do this for the recognition and stuff, but I want I want you guys um, as we. I don't know. Um, I want to recognize these guys first and foremost. I don't know. Um, I mean, and, and this isn't even all the team. We have some that are down in Louisiana. Some are up in Macon, Missouri, which is about two hours away. These ladies and gentlemen came in starting in January and uh, worked their keisters off um, in, in sacrificial love in a great way. And, and here's, here's what's awesome about this. As a matter of fact, we got some slides that are going to be kind of popping up there. Here's what's crazy about this. Um, uh, some of these individuals were part of Beverly Hills back in the day. And they went and they went and planted uh, country meadows and there were some issues and things. But what I love about this is this, is that God, through the, in the midst of conflict and things that happened years ago, um, that some of these individuals got to come back and invest in us as a church and to serve us and minister to us to help us uh, remodel and do this. So here's what I'm going to do real quick. I want to have Leighton come up. You guys come on in here. I know you don't have to worry about standing in front of me. Um, and I'm going to have Leighton just uh, explain some things, and then I'll give you a little bit of a plug for disaster relief. Thank you, Brian. It's uh, good, good to be here today. I'm really happy about this. This is my family right here. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know them all by name. That's, that's kind of strange, isn't it? But they're, they're my family. I love each one of them. But before I start on that, I want to say something about Romans. And I thank you so much for picking that passage today about Romans and how that... Uh, I would like to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not, going to ask, I'm not going to do it literally, but if I ask you to raise your hand today, everybody that loves Jesus Christ, raise your hand. And, and most of you would raise your hand. I think all of you would. But then also, I'm going to tell you that God has something for you to do. That's what the scripture says. If you love Christ, he has something for you to do. Some of you are going to think in your mind right now, God doesn't have anything for me to do, but he does. He has a purpose for you, and I want to tell you that, emphasize that, and I want to go a little further and say about, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I have to rely on that because I'm getting way up there in age now. I can't do as much as I used to do. But I want to tell you that that. Each one of us can do all things through Christ who strengthened. Now, Christ, who is Christ? He was there in creation. He created this world. He put the moon and the sun and the stars in the sky and created everything that ever was created. Now, he lives within us. If he, if he can do that, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So I, I want to thank you for allowing us to come over, us as a, our family here, come over and do the things we did. Now, when I came in the door, somebody said, thank you for all you did. Well, I appreciate that, but I won't say, turn around and say, we do things through what Christ strengthens us with. I can do anything without what God strengthens us with. And each one of us would say the same thing. We've got some great people here. I don't want to pick out individuals, but because there some of these were team members that came from, from other parts, of not, not the city here, but north of town. Some came from Macon, Missouri. They came twice. And so we come from all over because we love God. We want to serve God in every place he calls us. And I remember when, when Brian first called me over here and uh, talked to him, uh, I, I realized that God was doing something here. 
And we at Country Meadows right now are studying uh, Henry Blackaby's uh, Experiencing God. And one of the main emphasis in that is that look to see where God is working and then join him. And so that's what, when I came over here, I realized that God was working in this church through this man right here and, and, all, and all of you. And I'm glad that I was able to, I and all of our family here was able to come and be a part of that. And what was accomplished out there was not through us, but it was through God. And, and you need to be a part of that. And don't, don't feel like you don't have a place in God's, in God's work because you do. Each one of us do. I want to say something about Baptist Builders and Disaster Relief. Uh, Baptist Builders is, is a group of, of, of loosely made uh, group of people. We don't have any training for Baptist Builders, but uh, if you want to come and build and, and be a part of, of building, you, you can do that. And there's a, something that each of you, we don't have many women standing here, uh, my wife and another couple here, but we, there's a lot of women that come and help do the Baptist Builders, and, and that, that's needed. I want you to emphasize that. And same thing with Disaster Relief. We have about as many, about as many women in Disaster Relief as do men, but there's a, there's a place for each one of us. But what uh, we have done out here, as I said, was, was through the power of God. But uh, look at these guys. And they, you know, they're, they're, they're not quite as old as I am, but they're getting up there. But, but uh, God has something that he gives you strength to do it. I, I do want to recognize one other person. And Charles, you're going to kill me for saying this. Charles Schooley down the end. He's been my right-hand person through all this because he keeps me going and keeps me straight. Uh, sometimes, but Charles and, and a couple other guys from our church was here just about every day for what three, four months. I don't know, maybe longer than that. Uh, six. Yeah, six months. But I, I remember when I, when I first met over here. One of the first things I told the group here: if if we as volunteers do this work, it's going to take longer than if you did use contractors. But of course, we all are volunteers, so it saves you money. And uh, when we started this, we kind of estimated a cost that was going to project to the job. But I didn't know COVID was going to come around and, and the price of lumber and everything else goes sky high. So the cost did a little bit more than we thought. But uh, we was able to do it, I think, and, and it looks good, Pastor. Now, I want to say another thing about your pastor. Uh, I have, Kay and I have worked probably in 30 different churches across the country building them. And I've only worked at one other church where the pastor did as much work as this guy does. That doesn't, that doesn't happen mostly in places. This guy is a worker. And, and uh, Sarah, where's Sarah? I think you'd make a good first lady. I don't know where you are. <laughs> she, she, she worked here. And, and Maria, Maria, Maria here? Yeah, Maria. Uh, you, I've never... <laughs> I won't tell you the nickname I gave her, but I, I've never seen any young lady work as hard as this one does. And she would take an extension ladder and go clear up the top and paint. I, it's amazing. Uh, but, and I, I'd like to say thank you to the church members that came up and worked. Uh, you did your work on Saturdays, and I was not here during that time working, but I know you did a tremendous amount of work. And that just that shows you how much you love this church and love the Lord. And don't stop here. You know, this is just the beginning. Go on and, and, and reach out and, and minister to wherever God puts you. Um, I want to say about uh, disaster relief now. Disaster relief is uh, probably the most oh, highly guarded secret, I guess, of, of the Southern Baptist Convention. 
Southern, Southern or disaster relief reaches out to the people all over this country, ministering more than any other part of our ministry in, in the Southern Baptist Convention. We go into uh, to these areas like uh, Louisiana after a storm or whatever, and uh, we minister to them in, in many ways. We've got child care. We've got chainsaw. We've got uh, showers. We've got uh, what? Laundry. Uh, we've got flood recovery. We've got cooking, mass feeding. Uh, you, you said 1,200, 1, we can feed as much as 5,000 meals a day that, if we have the food to do it with the people. So this is a lot of ministry. And Kay and I work in flood recovery, and uh, we, we have found out that we can go in and, and work in a person's home and clean out their home. And one of the fir first questions they, they ask you is, why did you come? Well, thank you. Because of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. The second reason we're here is clean out your home. First reason to tell you about Jesus Christ. So that's so so very good. And all of our ministry in, in disaster relief is that way. I want to encourage you to be a part of this. October the 7th, 7th and 8th, 7th and 8th. Well, Brian will tell you, I think it's 8th and 9th. At Blue, First Baptist Blue Springs out here, we're having a training session. And you have to be trained to be a part of disaster relief. And mainly the reason that is is, is safety, uh, how to do your, your job and do it properly. There is a cost to that. I think it's $40 a person. But please come and be trained. Even though you're not a retired person, can't go at any time, come out and be trained because God may call you. And, and, and it, even though if you're still working, you may be able to get off and go, go in and do, be a part of one of this ministry. It's a great ministry. Uh, Pastor, I, I know he's going to push that real hard come October. So I wish I could name everybody's name. How do you want to do this? You want to introduce everyone? or huh? Okay. Let's start with our plumber. You know, I'm an electrician. I don't, I don't usually like plumbers, but I like this guy. I'm Jim Griffey from Liberty, Missouri. Joe Dayringer from Kearney. Kay Clemens, the other half of him. <laughs> I'm Douglas Hager from uh, Gladstone, Missouri. Sheila Gatlin from Excelsior Springs, Missouri. Roger Gatlin from Excelsior Springs, Missouri, Pisgah Baptist Church. Artie Horn from Kearney, Missouri. Leland Finley from Linden Baptist Church. Gene Fleshy with uh, uh, Country Meadows Baptist Church in Independence. George Johnson from Country Metals. Charles Schooley from Country Metals also. Yeah, give them a hand, please. Yes, and Leighton. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, go ahead and let... And while you're doing that, and I'm going to ask, they're going to kind of stick around, they'll mill around and things like that. But here's, I can't stress this enough. Number one, our church is part of the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, and I don't know if you realize that we are one of the largest um, disaster relief organizations. I know everybody pushes American Red Cross and things like that, but do you realize that oftentimes we beat the American Red Cross and we beat Salvation Army to those spots? 1,500 meals. This is what I was told on Thursday. Right now, we had almost 1,000 Southern Baptist people down in Mandeville and in, in the Louisiana area serving 
um, the day after. They pre-stage everything to let you guys know. So when these teams, some of these teams are called up, they're pre-staged outside the area. And then as soon as they can, boom, they're bolting in. 1,500 meals a day in Mandeville, Missouri. And so when I say this, yes, we need retired people who could say, hey, look, I'm willing to go a week at a time. But maybe, just think about it this way. A couple of years ago, we had the big flooding up here, just up on the border, Nebraska, Iowa, down here into Missouri, down into the St. Joe area. They're sending out disaster relief teams there on weekends even. So you may be a person who works every day and you can say, hey, I would love to get trained on disaster relief. Mud out groups, all you got to do is be able to shovel and then we'll, we get it. I mean, they'll train you and all that, but shoveling and using a pressure washer, cleaning stuff, chainsaw, you guys like, I mean, if you're Tim Allen, you know, just don't cut your arm off. They'll train you on that. If you're a lady who says, look, I just want to, I, I don't want to, I can clean clothes. They, I mean, if you could go to Jefferson City and see what the money that we've put in, all the Southern Baptists get together, have put in to see the feeding trucks, a semi-truck trailer, that's nothing but a big, huge kitchen. And it's unbelievable. It's impressive to see how together, and I want you to see this, different churches all working together in partnership because they love Jesus. So, yeah. I want to tell you something that's happened to us on the way down to Louisiana. That's, uh, I think, is so really neat, and it came strictly from God. <clears throat> we were traveling into Arkansas. We were headed for, uh, uh, where were we headed, Charles? Texarkana, we were going to meet up as our team there. We never made it there because we went on down to Mandeville. But uh, we were traveling. It was about uh, close to midnight. We got into Arkansas, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, the blue light started flashing behind us, and, and Charles was driving. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> And I was sitting in the passenger seat, but Charles pulled over like he uh, he's supposed to and did everything he's supposed to do. And uh, it turned out it was a deputy sheriff that pulled us over. But he, he came. He was had a flashlight. He was looking around our truck, and he'd come up on my side, which was I was sitting in a passenger seat. And uh, as soon as I rolled the window down, he said, "You guys are okay." He said, I, I, "The reason I stopped you is because you don't have a rear license plate on your truck, which is normal in Missouri because I have a, a eighteen thousand pound rating on my truck. You only get one license plate, and it goes on the front." He said, "Now that I see your logo, I had a, a, a magnetic sign on the side of my truck." said, Missouri disaster relief. He said, now that I know you're from Missouri, I know that you're perfectly legal, and that's okay. And I said, I bet you're headed down to Louisiana for the flooding and hurricane. We said, yes. He said, he said I want to tell you, I really appreciate you going down there, and I know you're in a hurry, uh, but before you leave, could I pray for you? And wow, you know, coming from a law enforcement officer, that, that's great. And, and that's great that we have people like, hey, he prayed a nice prayer, not just for us, but also for the people in Louisiana. So it just a, it was a, it was kind of a sign from God that we're doing the right thing. Now Charles said he was driving. He said, "Well, officer said I, I have been pulled over a couple of times, uh, but I've never had an officer pray for me." And I, I I wanted to say, "Well, you know, Corvette drivers they have to go to a school to learn how to open their billfold and get the license out and talk to an officer before." When they stop, I, I shouldn't say this about Charles, but uh, a sign from God. And another thing, we would stop. Another, excuse me, Pastor, for preaching. Um, we were down there, and we had a reefer truck come in, and a reefer truck keeps the, the uh, food cold or frozen during, the, and the whole thing it quit overnight, and we couldn't get it running. And it was out there working on it, and all of a sudden, <clears throat> this man walks up and he said, "Can I help you?" 
and he didn't know who he was. And he said, he said, punch in code number three three zero five six seven whatever, and and it will start. And then punched it in, and it started. And he said, I just came for a tarp, and and he he went away, walked away. So I feel like sometimes we entertain angels unaware, but how that that's just so another sign from God that God is with us through all this. So support your disaster relief. Let me, let's do this. I'm going to pray. We're going to pray for them, pray for you guys as we dismiss. If you're interested in disaster relief or want to talk more, see any of these individuals. They'll point you. Joe is one of the, I guess, team leads to a certain extent, right, Joe? Okay. Yeah, regional coordinator. So you can see Joe. You can see Leighton. Anybody will point you in the right direction. And again, it's not something you have to do all the time. It's based upon your schedule. But when things happen and you can say, hey, I can give a couple days, they would love that help. And here's what I would say with this. You can look at the age, right? And while I think this is great, and obviously there's more time when you're retired, it doesn't mean you have to wait till you're retired. We need younger people who are going to carry the baton and take it down the track. Yeah. I'm just going to say you do remember that sometimes there's local disasters, and that's when we could use those as setting back waiting. So let's pray. And then we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you. I thank you, number one, first for the Baptist builders and all of the individuals who came in to help us to, uh, to, to re, uh, redesign and to, to work and update uh, our, our area. And God, I pray that in the midst of that, that God, we will be able to use this as wise stewards, that we would reach those who have maybe never heard the gospel. God, I pray for our ministries that are starting up this Wednesday night, our guitar clubs that are targeting younger kids who want to learn the, the self-defense and the, the, the Warrior's Way class that is going to reach out to a group of kids who want to learn uh, the Hapkido and the karate stuff. God, I pray for the adults that we'll have, that we build relationships with them and are, are going to be a part of that. But Lord, most of all, we pray that your name would be honored and glorified, that God, in the midst of this, that you would go before us, God, that you would continue to work through our disaster relief teams and the Baptist builders. And God, I pray for that group right now that's on the, on the ground in Louisiana. God, I know the long, tiring days, but I think of so many ways they get to minister by washing people's clothes because they don't have power or their house has been flooded and they don't have the washer and dryer anymore by having showers where I can get, where they can get cleaned up, or feeding food, disaster uh, relief cleanup through chainsaws and mud outs. And Lord, we thank you for just how you have blessed.